like product market fit isn't permanent. Like uh, even for mm. uh, maybe it's controversial, but even even for an app like Facebook, that you know like, mm-hmm. has scaled to billions of people, it's very possible a few years down the line they don't have product market fit anymore, right? As as these new incumbents, mm-hmm. as, as new people appear. Mm-hmm. So you have to constantly stay vigilant. You can't always rest on your laurels. You have to constantly mm. improve the product based on people's behavior and people's needs. Okay. Hey, everybody. Appreciate you all for tuning in to the Undefeated Underdogs podcast. I'm your host, Sharad. Today, we have Peter Yang, my good friend uh, from Twitter, who is a creator, founder, and a man of many things. Uh, Peter, welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling today? I'm great. Yeah, it's funny. I think I'm, I made more friends on Twitter this year than in real life. So <laughs> no, that stays about me. But yeah, it's, it's great to be here. Yeah. Yeah, we all do. We all do. Twitter is, you know, Twitter is this uh, centerpiece for everybody's network. So uh, good to hear yeah. from that. So before I get into the podcast, I do have some questions prepared for you. I want to like cover some topics, but uh, I want to like give you a, give you guys a brief intro of Peter uh, for folks who don't know him. Peter is a, is a product expert who worked at Reddit briefly as a product lead uh, for, for quite some time. He wrote a book called Principles of Product Management, which has 4.5 stars on Amazon with over like 100 plus reviews. He also runs a course called Launch Your Product uh, Management Career on maven.com. Do definitely check that out. Uh, both help you break into tech and and build a career as a, as a product person, you know? So definitely do check it out. He also writes a newsletter on Substack called Creator Economy, which blends product, community, and, you know, creators. And it has more than, what, 35K subscribers? That's amazing. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite articles I want to, like, quote, uh, it's, it talks about community-led product development, which, you know, we can talk later in the podcast. And he also co-founded this uh, DAO called Odyssey, which teaches about Web3, you know, which we can cover about that too. You guys won Golden Kitty Award last year for in the educational category, so congrats on that. And last thing, he's he's a he's pretty famous for uh, shit posting as well on Twitter, which I also want to dive a little deeper into why he does that. But yeah, thanks for joining, Peter. <laughs> uh, I'm excited uh, to talk to you about all things product, all things Twitter, and uh, community. Yeah, uh, great to be right here. off the bat. Yeah, right, right off the bat. I want to cover or like let's let's open the doors uh, with your your one of the articles you wrote about community-led product development wins. Talk about talk about like why you think I have an opinion on product and community. I have I have both backgrounds and mm-hmm. I do think they blend with each other. I want to understand your thought process. Why do you think uh, it, it should? It should be a path or a segue for founders who are building startups in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, totally. Well, I think, first of all, you know, if you're building a product for customers, you should probably talk to the customers you're building products for, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, back, back then when I was at Twitch, uh, I was talking to mm-hmm. the, the live streamers all the time and really enjoy kind of working right. with them to figure out what products to build. But then when I came to Reddit, I realized the power of a community. And the power of a community is... Not only can you talk to customers, but the customers can talk to each other, right? 
So if, mm. if you can bring a Absolutely. bunch of customers, beta testers into a community and get them to like talk to each other and talk to you, you and your team about the product, mm -hmm. it just creates a bunch of like feedback loops that is like really mm. important in terms of actually building a product that people actually want. Um, and it, it feels like, it feels like you're not like building the product on your own or with your team and like trying to guess at what the customer want. Like the customer's literally right there to talk to you every day. Mm -hmm. And of course you can't, you can't just like, you know, do everything that they want, but, uh, it, it's, it's like a very important channel in addition to like, you know, mm -hmm. analytics and some of the other channels that you should consider as a PM. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, uh, where do, where, where should people start? Like where should founders start? uh, bringing community into the picture in, in your opinion? Um, I think you can start like even before you have a product product, you know, like I, I think a really mm -hmm. good example is, um, a recent example is anchor who, who, um, mm -hmm. he started teachable and now he's working on a mm -hmm. personal finance startup right. and yeah. he's just Pacho. like tweeting his journey along the way and like, right. uh, sharing stuff and people naturally follow him and like reply to his posts. And you know, you're not, right. you, know, you haven't officially set up a discord server, but you're already starting to build community that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Ankur. He's a great guy, a phenomenal guy. And the way he's building Ocho, his new, uh, I think health 401k, uh, startup for solopreneurs. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. I, I, I still feel, I think there is a blend of community and product and both of the worlds come together when you build things in public, right? Of course, obviously, you know, yeah. when you yeah. start sharing your features, when you sh start, uh, you know, talking about like what you want to build or the vision and the, the mission, you know, it naturally attracts a lot of audience. So uh, yeah, of course, absolutely. You know, that's a great example, by the way, I think. And, uh, being a founder is really hard. It's, it's kind of like a lonely journey and you kind of have to like do everything, right? Like how do you, uh, how do you suggest founders to balance when it comes to, uh, building a product and building a community mm -hmm. on, on, on kind of like a, kind of like a, you know, uh, in, in a parallel lens, like you, you, you have to do it both. If you, if you double down on one, if you, you mm -hmm. lose the other kind of like a lane. So any suggestions or in your experience, uh, what, what do you think, uh, how do you think founders should balance? Yeah. So, you know, first of all, I'll caveat that I'm not like a super experienced founder or anything, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I think, um, when you're getting started with a company or product, you're trying to find product market fit, right? So like, the, and, and like mm -hmm. the faster the feedback loops can be, the faster you can find product market right. fit. So I, I don't see it as two separate tracks. I see it as, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you, you build something or like you even talk about building something and then you get the feedback from the community and other channels mm -hmm. and then you adjust and then you keep building it until you actually find product market fit. Um, mm -hmm. now if you're an engineer, mm -hmm. you probably need to spend like, you know, six hours or something cold and you can't just like talk to communities every, every, every hour. But if, if you're right. someone who is more customer facing, then yeah, you should be talking to them all the time, just sharing your ideas open. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you have to lose? You know, like you're just a startup. Right. Yeah. The, the, the challenge of most startups is to get people to even care, to even give a shit. Right. So mm. <laughs> the more you can talk about yeah. it, I, I think the better you'll be. Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah, of course, absolutely. I think you you kind of have to uh, be very vocal, right? Like uh, you know, and keep them in the loop. It's, I think one one of the things you said, which I truly believe as well, is building a community. One of the advantages of building community early on, building a product is you you kind of have a wrapper with them. You identify these early adopters who can give you tight, who can give you like tight feedback loops, and they're they they're the ones who actually vouch for you and they're the ones who actually kind of become marketers for you so it's mm-hmm. absolutely necessary to you know keep them involved right from the beginning let's switch gears and purely talk about product and i have i don't know for folks who know i've i come actually from product background i've been product manager for almost like i don't know like close to five plus years working at corporate jobs so i love you know writing I mean, a traditional way of like product building, like user stories and like doing all sorts of like product prioritization and all that shit, like in agile and whatnot. But I think in startups, it's very, uh, it's it's basically all over the place. Like you you basically have an intuition uh, to build product. You don't have to necessarily follow process. So I want to hear your take. Like, how do you uh, how do you differentiate like? being all over the place as a founder and using intuition versus having a process following like certain methodology, like take agile as an example. Mm-hmm. And what do you, what do you, how do you see uh, these things, these two worlds collide with each other or what are the pros and cons you think uh, that users can take away from? Yeah. So I think um, um, at big companies, people tend to over fixate on the process but the process is really kind of like a means to an end. The process is any kind of process you make should be designed to, you know, help the customer or make an impact on your company, right? Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. you're at a startup, you probably have like 10 people or something. So you don't really need a lot mm-hmm. of the big company processes. And it's generally right. a failure scenario if you hire someone from a big company and try to bring all the processes over. Um, but that being mm-hmm. said, I, I think there are some like big company processes that I think are still very useful for startups. Uh, mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. that I really value is, um, you know, Amazon's working backwards process. Mm. I think, um, Am- Am- Amazon is like one of the few big companies that had a lot of success in starting new initiatives, like AWS mm. was started from like a retail business. Right. And, uh, right. yeah, I, I really like their working backwards questions. So like the questions are, uh, one, who is the customer, right? Two, mm-hmm. what is the problem? Uh, three is mm-hmm. what's the most important customer benefit Four is how mm-hmm. do we know that this problem exists? And, and five mm-hmm. is like, um, what does the product look like? Like if you're drawing on a napkin, mm-hmm. what does the product look like? And it probably just takes right. like 30 minutes, an hour <laughs> to like, uh, right. Answer these questions, but like, it's really worth the effort even for founders and startups to really kind of think about right. this. Cause like, you know, you, you can easily build something that nobody wants. Uh, or, right. or, or like of solve course. the wrong problem that doesn't have a market. Yeah. Right. And how often do you think founders should ask these questions uh, early on versus like, is there a, is there a set time? Uh, I, I really like the process. It's not too fixated. It's not too uh, formalized in a way, right? It's just answering mm-hmm. five simple questions, become self-aware from those questions, keep in touch with the community and kind of like build from there. So, just want to just curiously want to know in your opinion uh is there like a like a quarterly 
kind of like a review with these five questions or before they mm. hit product market fit, what's like the cadence of? Uh, so definitely do it before you start like programming or coding something. Like I, I, I just take initial stab at it. Um, but I think for startups, like there isn't like a quarterly or annual roadmap planning. <laughs> like like mm. at least when, when you're in the <laughs> early stages, you know, the, the minute you learn some new information that changes your answer, you should probably start mm. thinking about adjusting your answers, right? And your plan. Mm. Um, but right. yeah, once you get large enough, like maybe just like a quarterly plan or like an annual plan. Um, but in the early days, pre-product market fit, I think it's just about really be honest with yourselves, whether you actually have the answers mm -hmm. to these questions or not. Like in the beginning, you probably just have a hypothesis and then you don't mm -hmm. really have an answer until like people actually pay for your product or something, some other signal product market right. fit appears. Right. Yeah. I love that. And what's your, there are like tons of product market fit frameworks out there. Uh, I think one mm -hmm. of the famous ones are from superhuman. Uh, they kind of like, kind of, kind of invented in my opinion, uh, about like this methodology of asking people, would you, would you even live like, you know, without using the product or, you know, similar questions, would you refer to others and whatnot? Right. Uh, yeah. what's your favorite, uh, PMF framework? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. So I think in the beginning, we don't have enough, to, we don't have enough customers or da data. I think the superhuman, uh, survey works well, mm -hmm. but I think ultimately, uh, you know, just as like a big company PM, I want to look for retention curves that go back up. Like if, if you look at six months retention for a product, it doesn't just keep going mm -hmm. down, 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 or like slowly going to zero. Mm -hmm. Like it will actually, mm -hmm. we, we call it the smile curve. So it's a curve that will actually mm -hmm. pop back up like a smile, like, like a few months down the line, right. then you kind of know that you mm -hmm. found pro market fit. Um, and, and you know, there are like nuances. Nice. So like, uh, it's, it's possible that you might find product market fit for like 1% of people who try a product and yeah, you have product mm -hmm. market fit but that isn't enough to build a valuable business out of, out of it. So there's like a mm. lot of nuances and stuff behind it. It's not, it's not like, oh, if I hit 20%, then I have product market fit. Right. You got to think about it. Yeah. Right. Uh, the other thing, the other thing that I've observed mm -hmm. is that, um, like product market fit isn't permanent. Like, uh, even for, mm. uh, maybe it's controversial, but even, even for an app like Facebook that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. has skills you billions of people it's very possible if you're down the line they don't have product market fit anymore right as as these new incumbents mm -hmm. as, as new people appear so, mm -hmm. so you have to constantly stay vigilant you can't always rest on your laurels you have to constantly mm. the product based on people's behavior and people's needs yeah right yeah i think i i kind of do agree on that it's it is necessary and the, the stage of Hey, we have achieved product market fit. We saw the signs. We, people are coming mm -hmm. back. People are actually like also spreading the word on themselves. People are referring more people such, you know, mm -hmm. signs, but yeah, to your point, it's kind of, you know, it's all uncertain at any point, anything can happen. Right. I feel founders should not take it too hard at the same time, take it too loose. Like, I think there should be some self, uh, self-awareness aspect of it. Like, if people are coming back, let's serve them and take it one step at a time. It's not like take it for granted. PMF is not something you take it for granted, like you said. And uh, it's kind of like a mirage in a way. You know, you go there, 
feels like it exists <laughs> and you go you know a little bit ahead it won't so uh, yeah. uh l- l- let's talk about you if also touched upon you know product retention and let's talk about like any any particular tips you want to give for founders uh in like these stages of acquisition uh mm-hmm. adoption acquisition and retention like any any uh quick tips you want to like throw away um so my tip would be to start with retention you don't want to grow a leaky bucket and retention also has mm-hmm. nuances there's like day one retention versus like day 30 retentions versus like six months retention right and depending mm-hmm. on what retention is bad you you have to optimize for different things so if, if day one retention is bad mm-hmm. then people are not getting to the magic moment of your product so you probably need to improve the onboarding mm-hmm. or even see if there's a magic mm-hmm. moment in the first place if day one mm-hmm. is good but like day 30 is bad then probably something's wrong with like they get the magic moment but there's no like loop to get them to mm-hmm. experience it again and again or like to see some sort of progression right. in your product or stickiness um, right yeah yeah stickiness exactly so mm-hmm. yeah start retention and then once you have retention then uh you can focus on like you know activation and uh acquisition and kind of like go from bottom to top um and mm-hmm. a lot of um a lot of companies i'm seeing uh like on the consumer side uh they they are very careful about like onboarding people like they onboard people mm. slowly through invites and mm-hmm. part of that is not to burn people on a product that isn't quite there yet but i think going right. back to the community aspect if you do this onboarding slow onboarding thing um you can build a really good community of users and the community itself mm-hmm. can also become the moat for your product so um absolutely a good example is this app called farcaster it's kind of like a mm-hmm. twitter style product on the crypto side and uh the founder mm. is very careful with like onboarding users and uh the reason the reason I still use it is because uh it's just like a really good community around the product it's not necessarily the the, the code itself it's more like the people mm. on the app are like very high quality and like it keeps me coming coming back yeah i love that uh it's very yeah I, i actually i think i think you know it's very clever to say you know start with the retention see how people are like coming back sticking you know sticking with your product and then do all these growth hacks about activation adoption like mm-hmm. in acquisition and whatnot it, it's a clever way of taking things up um so let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about artsy you know your your dao you've created i think uh 2021 uh you won golden kitty award what are some in i think you recently also tweeted about downsizing the community itself hmm. uh how's the journey going on number one number two what are some some things you've learned in the process you know as building this you know uh web3 wikipedia in my opinion in a way yeah so um so i i, I think uh what i learned is that um building community is very hard <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of where I learned. Um <laughs> but um uh just to break bet, it down. Yeah. We we had some uh early success with the product hunt stuff and you know raising a bunch of funding and um mm-hmm. what I learned is that okay, number one thing I learned is that with communities you kind of need to start small and be careful about who you onboard. Um like like a free for all community where anyone can join and contribute mm-hmm. unless there's like a really mm-hmm. strong mission or you know theme behind the community like norms 
uh, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very hard to scale properly, like, especially in the web three mm. space, where there's like a lot of, um, people like scamming people and stuff like that. It's very easy to just have the community evolve. So that's one thing right. that I learned. Um, another thing I learned is, um, you know, as a creator, the, the thing about community is extremely powerful, right? If, if you can do it right. And like, mm-hmm. there's really good examples out there, like Lanny's community and these other communities that are like thriving, but Right. If you want to make community your thing, it, it's like an ongoing commitment and you can't, it's, it's different right. from like selling a course or something or like a digital product where you can just like put it online and it would just sell copies. I mean, you have to promote mm-hmm. it, but it will largely sell by itself. Mm-hmm. But community, right. you have to spend, you know, time every day to keep the conversations alive, to host weekly events. So people there have value and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to potentially hire a bunch of moderators to keep the conversation on track. So, mm-hmm, um, absolutely. you know, like community is like a hot term, right? It's, it's like a buzz, 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 buzzword, right? right everybody now. wants, but yeah, yeah, everybody wants to be, but, but like, uh, but there's plenty of communities that have just like died out and like devolved. So, right. uh, before you right. start one, uh, make sure you, you actually have the time to make that commitment. Yeah. Mm. And mm-hmm. when do you think, uh, a founder or a creator in your opinion, have reached community market fit, like just product market fit. Now mm. it's an engine. I can, I can take a step back a little bit. I, I'll be still involved, but I'll, I'll take a step back. I have advocates who can, you know, take the engine forward, move the engine forward. Is, is mm. there a, is there a, is there a sign for just like how PMF have certain signs? Is there a sign for community? I don't, I don't want to call community market fit, but I just want to, for the sake of the conversation, just want to like put these two pieces together. I mean, just to compare with each other, right. For listeners, do you, do you think, uh, there is a stage or a phase, uh, founders can, you know, get a sigh and say, Oh yeah, you know what we've reached there and it's Mm -hmm. auto it's on autopilot. I think, uh, no matter what stage the community is in, you have to have a few individuals who really care to drive it. Like, I actually don't mm-hmm. believe in this whole, <laughs> I, I don't really believe in this whole, like decentralized autonomous thing. Like at mm-hmm. any stage of the community from like a 10 person community to like a community on Reddit that has like millions of pe- people, there are a few mm-hmm. key individuals that are driving a community that are keeping the community safe. So right. as a founder, right. you, you can potentially like if someone else in the community wants to step up to drive the community, you can let them do that. But. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's always going to be a few people who really matter in the community or keeping it alive. Yeah. I, and that's what, what I've seen. What, what do you, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do agree. I think take, take product hunt as an example, right? Ryan who still is kind of attached to product hunt in one way or the other way. He interacts with the community. He, he comments, you know, he attends events kind of like, you know, yeah. he, he still is present even though he's not like fully attached uh, to the company, but he's attached to the community. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely true. I, I do agree. Uh, what are some things that you think, again, like, let's, let's literally like, you know, take a step back. You said, and I do agree as well as everything, everyone is talking about community. Everyone wants to build a community. You know, if you're in startups, if you're doing some creator work or anything, YouTube, TikTok, whatever it is, you should have a community. That's like the the one one these days, but as to your point as well, not many stick to the end or not many have long-term like, you know, uh, goals or fruits. Uh, 
what are some quite quite common mistakes like you observed in your uh, in your experience working at reddit or twitch uh, even on twitter like you know uh, or observing like these communities rise and fall what what, are, what why do they rise and why do they fall um i think uh, um i think my number one tip for building community right now is you kind of need to in my opinion full feel the need that the pull of your audience that they want a community before you start doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's super easy to set up like a discord server or like some sort of circle community. Um, but I actually right. think you can build community just directly on social without actually officially creating a community, right? Like, like going back to anchor. Okay. I mean, he doesn't have a community or maybe he does, but like for all intents and purposes, right. the people who interact with these like building public posts are part of his community. Mm-hmm on Twitter, Twitter. And, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe at some point he gets enough replies and interactions that he needs to set up like an official community. But like, um, right. my advice would be like, just start by engaging your, mm-hmm. your followers on social media or whatever channel you have. And then if you feel the, if, if you feel the pull that they actually want to be part of a community, then you can set up an official mm-hmm. community and like go down that path if you want to. Yeah. Mm. It mm-hmm. feels like, Going back to uh, building product, it feels like what you said is slightly relevant to don't build the whole thing, just launch a landing page and test mm-hmm. the waters and see how many people are craving for the actual MVP or a product, like in, in a similar way, right? Like don't build, don't bring everybody or create a Slack channel or like whatever discourse, whatever discord, whatever it is. In, yeah. Before doing that, like start, start testing the waters. That's, that's also like, uh, uh, clever way but do you think uh where do you think the line exists like between audience building and community building um yeah that's a good point so like um uh you know it's probably like you know there's like the thousand true fans right so like you know if if you have mm-hmm. like a hundred thousand followers probably only a thousand people are like your true fans who really care and mm-hmm. um i guess the question is are those true fans getting enough value from you by just engaging with you on social media? Because if they're not, mm-hmm. and if you if you see if you see a way to build a close relationship with them and potentially like also make a living from your true fans, then you should think about maybe doing a community, starting a paid newsletter, or some other way to mm-hmm. to kind of like have them opting to a closer relationship. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love the, I love the aspect of bringing the core core members like call it true fans call it your like believers adopters like whoever it is you want to call I think you aim to build that group and scale that group not like the 100,000 audience per se like in in your 100,000 audience there is a thousand people community you know in a way because uh they they root for you and also like they kind of talk to each other as well in some way right so yeah uh, and you recently are uh teaching a course on maven.com congrats on that uh, mm. and let's let's talk about that a little bit uh and one of the things you 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 also are touching on is creator economy you know that's that's a that's a that's a different world how do you think uh, people should apply? Creators should apply product thinking when they're they're in the process of like creating content, you know, doing these 
videos or irrespective of the format how do you yeah. think they should apply that product level thinking in it like beat iteration beat like the process you mentioned before as well um yeah so like i'll tell you how i got started i i um started my career journey like three years ago um it was very difficult for me to become a pm like i i failed for a couple of years and i finally became a pm mm-hmm. So I started by mm-hmm. writing a book on like product man- management, <laughs> that book that you mentioned mm-hmm. at the beginning of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it took me mm-hmm. like, um, took me like almost a year to write the book and then mm-hmm. I put it out there. And, and thankfully it's like a pro it's like a on topic that people, you know, really care about like product management. So it's still right. sold like a few thousand copies, but like, you know, that's mm-hmm. not the right way to do, <laughs> that's not the right way to start the creator journey, right? Like, um, it's not, if you're starting a company or building a product, uh, generally speaking, you don't want to work on it for like a year before talking to customers at all about it and see if they actually mm. want your stuff or not. Um, mm. So I think creators are basically like products themselves in some way. And um, mm-hmm. I think if you want to go down that path, start by kind of like really uh, understanding your customers' needs, understanding who your customers are, what problems do they have. Mm-hmm. And also pick a niche that um, you personally feel curious about. Because if you don't feel curious about it, you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to keep going on that niche. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like start small and just start like publishing little pieces of content here and there, and like try to understand um, if people actually care about this stuff. Uh, you can look at your analytics, and then once you see some signal, again, see some signal of like I don't know, creator market fit or product market fit or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you can start. Um, doing larger pieces of stuff. Like I, I, I right. see a lot of creators, uh, who are building courses when, um, mm-hmm. they don't have an audience, they haven't validated what the need is. And their course is like this eight hour, huge course <laughs> that, <laughs> that they spend like right. uh, a, a few months building. So it's like very risky, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to like make, do such a huge pro- pro- product without actually validating mm-hmm. the need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you, uh, it's, it's very interesting what you said about, uh, in a way, creators are themselves products in iteration, right? They, they're, they're never-ending uh, never product themselves. They, they create a video, for example, take Jack Butcher, right? He created his build once, sell twice. He didn't end up like, that's it. I'm going to like, you know, just like product. Like he comes up with a new course or new uh new resource or something that's kind of like an iteration on top of his previous version. So in a way, you know, what you said is absolutely true. And you also said, keep them in the loop. You know, I like that a lot as well, because ultimately it's, it's for them, right? Even though you're doing this for yourself, for supporting yourself financially and all that, but ultimately they are the ones who consume, who, who like kind of like you know amplify your work uh again you, you you talked about the science of creator market wait what is what are the signs you observed after like writing that book and given like you're on substract doing a lot of odyssey and all that it's more of like it's it's in the process it's it's, it's it falls under the creator economy bucket you know so most of the things yeah. you do even your twitter right uh what's a sign what's a sign if people don't have, is there, is a sign like I'm getting more followers is a sign about mm. sales. What, what's like your, your take on that? I think for most creators, um, 
uh, at least for knowledge creators like myself, it's probably mm -hmm. about if they're willing to pay for something, right? Like, like, um, uh, with the Maven course, I, um, put it out there for people to buy before I even made the course. And if not mm -hmm. enough people bought the course, I probably will not make it. <laughs> so, so it's probably, a, so before you do that, obviously you need to have some sort of credibility and like some audience mm -hmm. so people can actually discover it. But, um, mm -hmm. the next step would be to like, just put it out there, see if people are going to buy it. And then if they mm -hmm. are, then you actually make the product. Um, mm. I think that's how I would do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's kind of like litmus text. You, you, you say that you have legitimacy, you have credibility. You say that you want to do something. If you see this, the sign is like, okay, they're, they're buying it without even experiencing the, the actual content. That's a sign. Yeah. I think, uh, I'll take on that. Um, uh, okay. Let's talk about completely like, you know, a different thing, which you are really good at. And I can, I can, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an absolute amateur or I can treat myself as, as nowhere near to you. Let's talk about like shit posting on Twitter. First thing, what is shit posting and when did you identify it? Or what, what is the power behind it? <laughs> yeah. Shit posting has its uh, pros and cons. Um, Ship posting comes from, um, my ship point comes from like, you know, um, just like working on these big companies and like all, all kinds of stuff. There's like a bunch of inefficiencies that you observe. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like an outlet form for me to, to kind of like poke some fun at some of these inefficiencies, mm -hmm. uh, without being too direct about it. So, so that, that's kind mm -hmm. of what I do. For example, the one about, um, scheduling zoom meetings and canceling it and then giving people a dopamine hit. I think, um, right. <laughs> I, th I think a lot of people just like feel the same way. Just, they don't say it, but they feel, they feel the same way. Um, right. so that's, that's great. And, uh, yeah, for some reason, um, people really like this shit posting. And, um, uh, the good thing about it is, is it's gonna be a ton of like, you know, fall followers. Some of these tweets have been seen by like 8 million mm -hmm. people or something, <laughs> something crazy like that. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. so it gets a ton of followers. Um, the bad news is that, um, the people who follow you for ship posting, I'm not necessarily the right people who are going to actually, uh, care about your newsletter or like buy your info, info pro products. Right. Mm. Like if, if I'm following you for, right. because you're, you're funny, uh, I probably won't pay for your PM course. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. So yeah, unless the building is uh, yeah, right. <laughs> maybe you'll do yeah. right. I think, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, you're, you're gathering wrong audience or wrong niche. Right. And yeah. And so uh, the other thing I see the, the, the con I see, uh, yeah, there are some pros, like it's funny. You're on top of your wit. It's kind of like, you know, uh, it's engaging in a way, right? Like you get like more attention eyeballs. Hmm. That's, those are all, hmm. I think the pros of shit posting. I think the only single complaint I have is don't you think it damages your reputation? Like you're, you're credible, you're, you're building, uh, you have some serious set of intentions, right? About what you do, you know, not just you, I'm just talking about like in general, right? Like take, take Elon Musk, for example, he has, he has this insane mission of uh, navigating or like navigating people from earth to Mars, like starting a civilization there. 
you know so that's a that's a no all to all a different level yeah but due due to his posting or whatever the things like he posts like memes and all do you think it damages the reputation a number 2 is and in a way kind of like people lose respect right like in a way yeah. uh how 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 do you how do you see that yeah i think um depends on the type of person right so like i i think um some people really find the shit posting really uh funny and and really enjoy it uh well i mean the fact that a lot of people like it <laughs> means that people do enjoy it but yeah like in terms of mm-hmm. a traditional career like some people really don't like that kind of stuff in fact you know probably just like being a creator in general is not the best for a traditional career you know um mm-hmm. so there's definitely a drawback to to that yeah so you got you, you got to mm-hmm. like um uh <laughs> you got to think carefully about that um because yeah people in the companies you work for or like you know people who uh, right. you might want to get respect from uh they might enjoy your shit posting or they might think it's like a total waste of time yeah mhm mhm mm-hmm. and but and where is where is the, like the the line again uh mm. it's like it's, it's it's a healthy you know criticism right i i, I take yeah. it i kind of compare shit posting to stand up comedy you know in a way there mm. is kind of like a limit there too right you you, you make some, some things funny you deliver it in a way that wow you know i never thought about this in this way like take the zoom zoom meetings that dopamine hit you mention and or you are one of the famous posts about Forbes 30 for 30 like you know mm. you said these are these are five things you know uh let me i actually have like a screenshot of it just had a call with someone on Forbes 30 under 30 list came away really impressed and he or he suggested <laughs> one, like yeah. these are the things you need to do right like 4:30 a.m. Mm. cold showers and dads on a tech company that's like a that's like a punchy uh punchy way of like delivering something that's so obvious uh mm but what's the line you know question is like what's the line in your opinion um what's the line i mean i think um when i do shit posting i i try to um see it as a, like i i <laughs> there's the shit posting that is like more lewd and more inappropriate and i try to stay away from that stuff uh obviously mm-hmm. like shit posting about any other companies that i work for i i i don't do any of that um so um it's hard for me to say what the line is <laughs> but uh honestly <laughs> there's not a ton of thought that goes into it and probably should put more thought into right. it um right. but i will say like you know again going back to my point about some people will like it some people will don't even 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 uh at the companies i work for like i i like to crack jokes in slack and like you know some people will really find it really funny and the highlight of their day and then some people is like what the hell is peter doing like <laughs> this is not fun it's not funny at all right so um <laughs> Yeah, depends on depends on um who your audience is and like who you care about like um if that makes sense. Yeah. How do you mm-hmm. how do you process that? I'm just okay, let's talk about like your mm-hmm. uh I just I'm just curious about this because I I don't have one process or I never thought of like uh you know, shit posting. Yeah. Just like writing, I assume that there is some set of ideas you have you kind of like convert them from a raw idea to what it is which is take forbes 30 for 30 posts right like mm. uh, how do you how do you process like you know a, a shit post you know was there an inception is you inspired from someone where do you see um, there is a funny angle to it mm. 
Um, I get a lot of inspiration from like um, obviously Twitter and Reddit. A lot of shit posting on Reddit, <laughs> right? And um, and uh, some of the other shit posters that I follow on on uh, social media. I mean, I think the best shit posting um, uh, has a hint of truth to it, right? So so people mm-hmm. laugh at it, but like people also realize that there is like a hint of truth that like, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. zoom thing, <laughs> there's clearly a hint of truth right. to that yeah. or some of the other stuff mm-hmm. that I do, um, mm-hmm. you know, people feel a certain sense of belonging to it for better, or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I think the best shit posting and memes actually communicate something. It's not just like for humor, <laughs> it communicates mm-hmm. something in a humorous way, but it's still, it's still trying to make a point about something. Yeah. Yeah. You're true. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I do agree on that. I think that the and, uh, of, you know, you can argue kind of like, is it's like, um, out of something about zoom, sometimes. Uh, like worse or better than some of the people on Twitter that share like Excel shortcut tips or something like which, which, which one is the real shit post? <laughs> like, right. Uh, <laughs> you can make the argument there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So enough about shit posting. I want to like cover yeah. about some more, uh, questions on on product side so you've worked at mm. wow like you know uh, different companies like reddit twitch uh so on and so forth what are some these are all these are all big corporations like you mentioned right uh what are some uh lessons that early stage founders can adopt from these big corporations except like the hierarchy those are all i think you know it's not necessary you, you, there's like so much hierarchy once you go join a bigger company as a PM. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, certain, they do certain things and that work really well. And mm. that can be adopted by, you know, people who are just getting started. So what are some things you want to like, uh, in your experience, you observed, these are the things, these are five lessons or like three lessons or three things early stage founders should take. And they should, at the same time, these are few things early stage founders should avoid. I think, uh, let's, let's go through some of the companies that work with that. So like, um, again, let's start with Amazon. I think, um, Amazon's mm-hmm. very good at uh, the working backwards process is very useful for founders of any stage. I think, uh, mm-hmm. Amazon's writing culture is very important. Like at, at an early stage company, it's probably like a lot more chaotic than a, than, than a big company and, you know, new people join mm-hmm. and like, don't know what the hell's going on. So, so just like documenting stuff and writing stuff down, I, I think is like really important. Um, mm-hmm. uh, at F- Facebook, um, what I learned is that, um, execution really mad- matters. Like, uh, Facebook, when I was there was like mm-hmm. really world-class at ex- executing and, um, mm-hmm. the leadership there is willing to pivot and, and like make big changes to, to mm-hmm. kind of like capture a market opportunity. Right. And, mm-hmm. and like, of, of course, as an early stage founder, you should be open to that too. Um, mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, I read it, I think, um, uh, what I learned is, you know, just like the power of communities, <laughs> um, mm. like, um, and, and like one thing I learned about communities is that e- even, even your team is like a community, right? Like, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you sh- should, if, if you're like the founder, you should be right. thoughtful about how you solicit people's feedback and, mm-hmm. um, just like not surrounding yourself with people who only say yes to what you want. You know, you should you surround yourself with people mm. who are willing to challenge you 
we're willing to say the hard things so that you can improve as well. Uh, I think uh, mm -hmm. if you just surround the people who just like say yes to whatever you want, then you mm -hmm. are basically just like doing all the thinking yourself as opposed to leveraging your team. And that's mm -hmm. not, that's usually going down the wrong path. Mm. Uh, and any, any things that people should avoid, like early stage founders that avoid that these big corporations, they do. Hmm. Um, avoid is, uh, obviously be very careful who you hire, right? Cause like when you have like 10 people, the 11th person really matters, hire people who care more about mm -hmm. the mission of your company than mm -hmm. titles or whatever mm -hmm. they want for their own career. Um, mm -hmm. second okay. thing is, um, Second thing I, th I think is, uh, it's very important to focus and prioritize. Um, mm -hmm. usually when it comes to strategy, even these big companies are like a lot of re resources. Like if, if you're focusing on right. one of three things, it's probably, not, it's usually not a good thing. And this matters even more <laughs> at early stage companies. Like you really have to probably just focus on doing one thing very, very well, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. so that's, um, of course you have to find what that thing is. So like community product development and right. everything else that you do. But once you find that thing, like right. try, try not to get distracted too much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, focus, focus on one thing and only one thing. Uh, so last, last question before I jump into a, a segment I call rapid fire five, I do have like five questions, you know, mm -hmm. just some, some interesting takes, whatever comes to your mind, just shoot it out. But last thing, how do how do you think uh, product-minded founders should handle rejection? So the reason I'm asking this question is a lot of these times they assume that this feature works or it it benefits their users and hmm. they have this gut feeling. And at the same time, they also like check in with a few folks like, hey, have you? do you think there's value uh, in this feature or do you want to use it or pay for it? Some say yes and with that validation, they build these things and they fail. So mm -hmm. how do you, how do you, uh, suggest them to go from there? Like they, they kind of like, sometimes they, they, they kind of lost their faith in, in community and like, and they, they just like feel hopeless. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you, uh, what, is there a process for you or do you have, have you ever encountered in, in working these companies about things you've built that didn't work and what did you do from there? Um, yeah, in, in some cases, um, like a product, as I mentioned before, can work very well, but it works very well for mm -hmm. only like a small segment of you users. So it doesn't actually make an impact on the overall company, you know? And, um, right. so, so in those cases, it's a lot harder to make a decision than if the project completely fails and like, doesn't have any product market fit at all, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I think, um. I think it's about like, be honest with yourself. Like, uh, you're like at, at a company, you want to grow the company, right? <laughs> you want to make the company succeed and, uh, not mm -hmm. giving to the sunk cost fallacy, uh, just because you spent mm -hmm. like, you know, six months building this thing doesn't mean that you should keep it around and just being really honest mm -hmm. about, uh, what do you think actually will make an impact on the company moving forward? Is it like keep iterating on this product right. or trying something new? And also just do a mm. retro about what went wrong mm. and, and like, what are some assumptions that you had that were proven false? Um, mm. uh, actually it's good to 
do this retro before you even build a product. So uh, mm -hmm. it's like a pre-retro where you just meet with the team, mm -hmm. maybe with some customers. You talk about all the mm -hmm. all the different ways that the product can go wrong and the assumptions that are not valid validated. And a lot of times right. you can kind of realize the the issue before you even go down this path. But if you're already down this path, <laughs> then it's time to just have an honest assessment with your team. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're already there. Just like accept acceptance is is the, I think the most uh, incredible superpower I feel like for anybody like for a founder product person. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's been a blast, Peter. And I do have like this segment, like said before, I'll just shoot like five questions, you know, it's pretty, pretty, mm -hmm. uh, pretty simple. Who's, uh, who's one product minded, uh, Twitter account you think people should follow if you want to give like a shout out. Um, uh, uh, I guess I'll give a shout out to Shreyas. I mean, most people already know him. But Shreyas Dohoshi, yep. I took his course recently and was actually very help, helpful. Mm. Um, I like mm. I like his career path where he's not just like going up the ladder to VP or whatever. He actually charted his own career and now he's right. um, helping other PMs. So so yeah, I really like that. Um, yeah, I, I've, so I've bookmarked many yeah. of his many of I, I've bookmarked many of his Twitter threads about product. Like he's he's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. What do you think, in your opinion, uh, a superpower for uh, product folks? Like, in, in your opinion, this is mm -hmm. like one one quality or uh, one thing that, you know, product-minded folks should have or carry. Hmm. Um, I think um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, customer obsession. You know, I, I, I think uh, a lot of people mm -hmm. say they have customer obsession, but don't actually have customer obsession. Like, like if, mm -hmm. if I forced a PM to make a trade-off between building time that's right for the customer versus like moving some number and getting promoted, most people would pick the latter, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, mm -hmm. customer session, I think is really important. I, I think, um, I have, okay, I'll give an example. So I, I tweeted something, um, mm -hmm. some negative feedback about notion and then uh, the CEO of notion reached out to me like, Hey, let's do a one-on-one -on -one call. I want to understand your feedback. <laughs> So if the CEO wow. is willing to do that stuff with something random like me, then as a PM, you should mm. be able to have that kind of obsession and right. really care about right. improving your product. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I, of course, you know, Jeff Bezos, you know, famously said about they, they've been carrying Amazon, been carrying uh, their principles on customer obsession first mindset yeah. for like very long time. And, you know, look at, look at them where they are. Uh, mm -hmm. Who's your favorite shit poster? <laughs> You have to, we have to like, you know, you have mm. to give a shout out. I mean, I think Alex Cohen is pretty, pretty good. Yeah. He, he, uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, I think his most famous one is like where he tried to boil his chicken breast in, um, like a coffee machine and he, he did it as a joke, but like it got picked up by the press and everything. <laughs> so, so I think it's pretty funny. Yeah. He's pretty good. Awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. any, any recent recommendation uh, about your favorite, uh, book you read recently or any thread mm -hmm. about product management? Yeah, I've been reading this book called build by Tony Fidel. Tony, uh, was the co-creator of the mm -hmm. iPhone and nest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like one big tip tip about like leadership books and business books is like read books from operators who have actually done something as opposed to 
academics, you know? Mm. So, so like, um, mm. <laughs> uh, to, yeah, Tony's book is like, just filled with like really good nuggets. Cause it's actually mm. being through like the whole journey of like, you know, the up, ups and downs of being an op operator. So I really enjoyed that book. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Love that. We'll, we'll definitely mm -hmm. put that in every other resource in the show notes. So last question, tell me about one crazy story you've encountered as a PM or a product, mm -hmm. like, you know, lead in, in your experience at Reddit, Facebook, like the companies you worked at, like this, this actually was bonkers. And I went through it. Like, what was that one insane, crazy story that you never shared with anyone you want to like share with our listeners? Mm, wow. That's good. That's a good question to close on one really crazy story. <laughs> let me think. Um, uh, one really crazy story. Hmm. It can be like, uh, well, let's say, you know, at yeah. your, you said about Facebook, about like execution, right? Like it can be, wow, hmm. this, this actually totally surprised me. We actually went from point A to point B, that type of a thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, Okay. So like when I worked at Reddit, um, I worked on the audio product and, you know, like, um, mm -hmm. Chris Hadfield, uh, the Canadian astronaut is kind of like a hero of mine. So, so I really wanted mm -hmm. to get him to speak, speak at audio, uh, like, like, uh, you know, like a R slash space talk. And I just right. kind of reached out to him randomly on his website and somehow he re mm -hmm. responded and I negotiated like a, a fee with him to speak. And it's, wow. it's a very reasonable fee. It's like <laughs> a lot lower than I thought, but, um, yeah, he right. came on and, um, it's like, wow, it's like one of the most inspiring things I've ever heard, you know? So oh. just kind of really proud Love of that. that. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll drop that link too. And yeah, once we, we figure that out, uh, all the, all the show notes, Peter, this has been a blast. Yeah. Thank you for hopping on the part. You know, I love talking to you. Like, you know, I love your shit posts mm. as well, but I think more importantly, you have, you have a knack for, you know, three things I really admire. One is uh, product, of course, and the other thing community, mm -hmm. and you really care about creators and you're yourself a creator. So you're trying to blend in, in, you know, in your newsletter, in your course and your book and whatnot. So, uh, really appreciate you for taking time and yeah uh where, where should people find you uh as as or do you have any closing thoughts mm. yeah like um uh, i don't know what's gonna happen to twitter as a platform so you can find me you can go to creatoreconomy.so <laughs> to subscribe to my newsletter and uh mm -hmm. uh closing thought is um i'll just kind of share like the advice that chris hatfield gave in this talk and the thing that really mm -hmm. uh, i remember is that um, his advice is like, just follow your curiosity and keep heading in the mm -hmm. direction that you want to go. And, mm -hmm. uh, even if you don't achieve your goals, like as long as you're heading mm -hmm. that direction consistently, you probably end up somewhere mm -hmm. that you like, you know? So, so, mm -hmm. so, so yeah. So like yeah. keep, um, I, I think that's like a really good takeaway because like a lot of people think like, Hey, I, if I don't achieve my goals, then like, you know, uh, all my hopes or dreams are crushed, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. it, it's about, right. uh, going in that direction, set them in the small wins and they probably end up somewhere right. good. Even if you don't achieve your ultimate yep. goal. Yeah. And, and you become more content because you've, you've chosen that path. So, uh, yeah, exactly. that's, that's an amazing, you know, I feel like that's on that high note, let's, let's close it off. Thank you for listeners for tuning into this episode. You know, uh, I'll have, I have like more guests in the pipeline. 
we'll have more much more deeper conversations about like product founders startups investors vc and, and whatnot so stay tuned for future episodes and yeah thanks again peter and thanks for tuning in you guys appreciate y'all okay thanks